0: What's up, what's up, what's up, the boys are back in town. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Grateful E-I-G-H-T. We are B-A-C-K. After a three-week hiatus, we're back in the lab, baby. It's been too long, my man Marcus. How are you doing today, my man?
1: Dude, I'm doing great, man. It, It has been a while. It's great to see you. You know what I mean? Uh, I've been a little bit worn down, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm just glad to be back home. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So obviously, ladies and gentlemen, we took a little bit of a hiatus. We took a little break. Little, We'd like to call it recharging our batteries, but both of us just went crazy for like three weeks. And uh, had a little life experiences that we're going to talk about today. But overall, dude, it's so great to see you and uh it was fun you know i was gonna we were just kind of talking about that before we started that the feedback that i've received over the last couple weeks you know we see the stats but we don't always get to put people to those stats as far as you know our listeners and stuff like that and so it was pretty cool to see or to hear nonetheless people saying yo when's the next episode coming out and i was like you listen to my podcast like oh we're locked in we're locked in and we kind of left them i think we left them with a little bit of a cliffhanger because um a lot of people were worried about the conspiracy, series, uh, Conspiracies episodes that we're going to be doing. So don't worry, folks. We're we're going to be bringing those in hot. Um, but no, it was really cool, man. My mom says she listens to it. My uncles are listening to it. And I had a couple of friends also like, dude, the pod's awesome. You guys kill it. And uh, it's always good to hear that feedback. So while we're on the topic, be sure to like, subscribe, share. That's your thing, man. You always hit them with that. You, you got that yes. line down. Hit them with it, Marcus. Hit them with it.
1: Yeah, hey, same thing as always. Listen, you know, we only have you know one rule of the show, and that rule <laughs> is when you listen, if you take something away from it, number one, share it to somebody. That's the only. That's the only rule. If there's something else that we would say, hey, listen, if you don't hate it, go ahead and give us a five star review. But yeah, just <laughs> if you take something away from it, we say somebody else might like, too. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, dude, it was. I had a few people ask me too. They're like, they're like worried. They're like, hey, so um. You know, like, are you guys, you know, still doing the show? Is everything okay? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, like you listened to this shit. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, no, no, we just, I'm traveling. He's got some stuff going on, like, and it was just going to be tough to maneuver that stuff on the road. And like, I something else I thought about too is I appreciated the way that you approach that because like, we have regular we have regular lives, you know, and you don't want your whole life maneuvering around this while you're traveling. And you know, you have the kids and everything. It's like it's just come back to it and be you know energetic about
0: it yeah and don't get it twisted it's a priority but at the same time like some of those priorities your trips my family time they needed to, to go up to the top and they needed to not have any distractions I know for me I went home to Nebraska for a week and dude I barely even brought my I did bring my laptop I didn't open it one time because I was like I am here to completely disconnect and just have a good time hanging out with my family, and and that's exactly what I did. So, um, overall, dude, like I said, it's just been a lot of fun. We're we're excited to be back in our rhythm and and bringing you guys more episodes. So, um, I, I did have a little tech issue with my mom. She wasn't quite sure how to do the whole like follow share thing, so I had to I had to walk her through that a little bit. But she's awesome, man. That that really meant a lot to me that she's taking the time to listen to it. Because me and you, when we started this show, it was um purely out of fun out of just passion for making media making content and uh it's it's always good when you put some energy into something and and you get the response of of good feedback that people are enjoying what you're doing so we're going to keep it going baby we're back like i said so um <clears throat> to be honest today's topic is just a little catch up you know usually guys we have as marcus and me always talk about we like to lay out a bunch of topics but for us, realistically, with the last couple of weeks, we haven't seen each other. You guys haven't had a chance to hear us. So we're just going to spend some time today just kind of catching up and and talking about all the different stuff that we went through and what, what was going on. So um, I know for you, you took a big trip. You were sharing some of that on your social media and things like that. and You had a bunch of kids. It literally looked like my worst nightmare. But I'd love to hear about, about how much fun you had doing it, because I would never do that. But go ahead. Hit us with it, bro. What, yeah, what were bro. you up to, man? <laughs>
1: The first part of the last few weeks was about twelve days, almost almost two weeks, crazy. We were from we started in Atlanta and we went to Georgia, then we went to Florida, and basically in between that time we visited one, two, three, four, five, like eight or nine college campuses. All of it.
0: Were y'all driving or yeah, flying? Yeah, we were
1: on a yeah we were on a bus. So and and actually like you're back gonna be in the so team important.
0: days, where y'all were loaded up in there, thick.
1: Yeah, you're gonna be, you're actually gonna be really surprised because it was a great it was a great uh, <laughs> I would say that it was a great experience, honestly,
0: for real. With the bunch all real, of all those kids,
1: it was like 33 high school kids. They're like sophomores, like sophomores and juniors mostly. A couple seniors, but mostly sophomores and juniors, and they're all Co-ed, from the world.
0: boys and girls. Boys and girls. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Co-ed, co-ed, all from Washington state. And basically they came, I was, I was brought onto this project by a company called Grad Text, who's based out of, um, Seattle. And basically it's an opportunity and it's a year long thing. Like they have programming all year long where these kids are basically getting prepared for, to put their best foot forward for college so they're doing stuff with you know pre- you know practice testing and how to prepare for that and you know submitting papers for scholarships and learning mm-hmm. the etiquette of writing papers and the deeper side of you know all the things that I think you and I probably really did not get like of really being prepared from like a freshman and sophomore age of all right let's start getting you ready so aside from just going to see these campuses imagine if you were like a sophomore and you got to go to college campuses see the facilities, get tours, do recaps on those campuses, you would know more of what you were looking for from a college campus. You know, now it was a little different for us too, because we were going to go whoever were, whoever was going to pay for school for us. You know what I mean? So whoever was going to give me the most scholarship opportunities, that's probably where I was going to go because that was going to work best for my, you know, for my family. So yeah, man, it was. Are these all
0: HBCUs?
1: Yes. So it was exclusively to, to expose students of color to HBCUs, which predominantly are, they're known to be historic, but how historic they are, the people behind them, all that stuff, man, like even some of this stuff I didn't know, you know, and when I was coming out of high school, the only thing I knew of HBCUs were, yes, they were historic. Yes, they were the originally the only places that, you know, that black people could go but I had a negative connotation with them because my thought was that they were underfunded. I just didn't know. I I, I didn't know the network that it gave you. I just, a lot of things I didn't know. And these kids are getting exposed to that as well as if they don't want to go to an HBCU and go to what's called a PWI, a predominantly white institution. They know what to look for. You know, some of the kids were in Florida and they were like, look, it's too high and this campus is too big. Okay. Maybe you need to stay in the Pacific Northwest and you don't maybe you don't want to go because Famu Bro was like a city. It was crazy. It was a great campus. Maybe you don't want to care to be in a larger city on a larger campus. You probably need to go to a small to medium school. So it was just really cool. Inside of that, we had experiences with with corporations. So they got to go to like Delta in Atlanta and speak to people who had all these jobs and understand what those jobs paid and where the opportunities. It was just. I would have loved the opportunity to learn that type of stuff. But yeah, man, it was, you know, hotel rooms for 35 kids and you've got kids, you know, with different gender identifications and, you know, situations. So we've got to maneuver stuff and you're worried about, you know, boys and girls and being on different, fl- all that stuff. But to be honest, the kids were like a joy, bro. They were outside of just complaining about the heat and the bugs I really don't have, they're just, they're just good kids. And then we got to finish up the trip in, um, a universal.
0: That's dope. This is going to sound like an ignorant question, but can white people go to an HBCU? Like, are they, in, are white people involved in any way, shape or form, whether it's students or, or teachers? I just, I truthfully don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is a thing that a lot of people don't know. and A lot of the students didn't know. So
0: did you have any yes, white kids man. with you or No.
1: We didn't have any white kids with us, but on the campuses, they spoke to um, counselors, they spoke to professors, they spoke to like social media directors for the universities. It's a predominantly, it's the opposite way. It's a predominantly student of color campus and multicultural campus. But no, like there are white students there. there There are white staff members and they're not seeing, you know, any different. And it's, that's the thing. It's like, they're going to that school because um, one, the connections that come directly, because a lot of these HBCUs have direct access to a lot of these corporations where like, if you go to a, you know, Ohio state or something, they're going to be like, look, the pedigree of Ohio state. But if you go to Morehouse, you directly have access to Hollywood as far as, you know what I'm saying, music and, you know, production and stuff, because so much of the alumni like Samuel Jackson and um, Spike Lee, for example, have made that access possible. So, um, it was just really, really cool, man. It was really cool.
0: Do you give back to your old school at all?
1: No, I don't go back and interact <laughs> with my school. really. Do you,
0: those, do you get those emails? That's like, please donate for whatever reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And, and like, so bro, I think, and, and that's because of my relationship with the university and how I feel I was treated and the time there, which leads you to another really big thing is something that they're looking for with the HBCUs is it's the alumni base. They're like, how often are the alumni here? All these HBCUs are like all the time. You might just be walking on campus and literally one of the guys told us a story about this from Morehouse. And we've heard it many times. Just on campus, minding your business. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know, what's your major? You know what I'm saying? Tell me about yourself. I'm alumni. Okay. Um, Here's money. Just like that. Scholar, You know what I'm saying? Books paid for this and th- that alumni base. And you know about, you know, you know, HBCU homecomings and drum lines and all. That's a huge ordeal. So um, I think that close that tightness is a little bit is a little bit more predominant in HBCUs.
0: I think that my school doesn't do a good job of um, welcoming alumni in a weird way, like. When I go back with my boys, it's almost like, Oh, that was that crew. It's not like, yo, like this, this, these guys are really important to the team or really important to the school. It's more like, Oh yeah, they played here. And it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird vibe whenever I go back, but I do always get a kick out of those emails that are like, please donate to the university that I still owe 20 grand to, um, for, you know, alumni funding or whatever. And I'm just always, I always get a kick out of that, but that's really cool, man. I'm, I'm excited that people like you in this world are here that can lead those kind of trips and be a part of that. Cause like I said, bro, I wouldn't have made it. Um, that literally, <laughs> literally sounds like my worst nightmare to have to, uh, keep a bunch of kids in line and, and do all yeah, the stuff yeah. that you had to do. So, um, it's all good <laughs> but, though. So but
1: dude, what were you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like that was for me, that was like the first 12 days that we were kind of off. So, you know, tell me a little bit about what you guys had going on, man.
0: Yeah. So, a lot of, you know, I changed careers about a year ago and it was, it's just been sprint ever since uh, I started with, with the new company. And when I got to a point where I started really thinking about, it, I'm like, okay, when have I completely detached? Because the reason I left my former job was I could never detach. So no matter where I was Christmas, Black Friday, Thanksgiving, it didn't matter. I was on my phone. I was on my laptop, things like that. And so one of the big, I guess you could call it a perk of this new job was like, I can completely detach. And I can detach to do whatever I want to do. And I wouldn't have to feel guilty about it. And so we've been planning this trip to go see my parents. My parents bought a new house about three years ago that has a pool. It's got a big yard. It's got a barbecue setup that's like a canopy setup. It is awesome. It's basically like a vacation resort for, uh, for families. And so we just went there, man, and just hung out. I played a lot of golf. Um, a couple of my uncles came over from Colorado and uh, we just had a lot of family time. I spent hours on hours on hours just hanging out and just catching up with everybody, and uh, it was really good, man. It's it's good. I think it's important to detach. And as good as as much as I was ready to come back and like get back into the flow of things, it was also like really good to just honestly, just not have to worry about anything for a couple of days. And that, that, that felt good other than my wife and kids and making sure we're having a good time and all that. But my parents are really low key. My family's low key. So we just, we literally just kicked it like every day. And so it was cool. And, uh, I do have a funny story though. So when I'm there, you know, we have a bunch of smart devices in our house and when I'm there. All of a sudden my phone starts going off and it's like device offline, device offline. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And I had somebody coming over and checking on my dog and all that. So I wasn't like super worried that like my house was burning down or anything, but, oh, huh, that's kind of weird. So we get back on on a Wednesday night and it's pretty late, like eight, nine o'clock and can't get the internet to work. Can't get the internet to work. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I'm looking, looking. Texting my buddy that lives down the road. I'm like, hey, like, have you, any, have you had any internet problems? I can't get our, our internet to work since we got back. He's like, no, my internet's good. Bro, I go into my backyard and I look. And our our street is a new housing development. So they're building houses all along the row, like both sides. Bro, I look down and two houses down is two more builds. And the ground is just completely destroyed. They cut my wire, man. I ain't never been so mad. And then you know how it is dealing with AT&T. So I'm tired, bro. We, we've been driving for 11, 11 plus hours. I got to get on Wi-Fi the next day because I got to work. And I can't get the Wi-Fi to work. So then I hit up AT&T. They run all the stuff for an hour and a half. Nothing. They're like, we're going to have to send a send a tech out there. I'm like, all right, cool. When's the next appointment? Saturday. I'm like, sick. So uh, needless to say, internet is one of those things you don't know how important it is so you don't have it because it was like just little things. For instance, that night we went to bed, turned on the TV. Couldn't watch anything because everything we watch is streamed. And then... The next morning it's like things are acting up because the wi-fi there's no wi-fi so like any of our smart things are all confused and disconnected and all that other stuff so uh, long story short man it was a great trip but then when we came back it was like a, a rush of reality for a couple of days and so i had to work at coffee shops and i kind of had to maneuver my way through um, but this week was my first kind of full week and it's been good to get back to the routine and all that and so um, really that's all I did. It was just that, that week at my parents. And then, um, just been kind of getting back in the swing of things and getting ready for the next couple of weeks. My in-laws arrived today. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow. So we got those festivities all weekend and in-laws are staying here for a couple of days. And then next weekend I'm doing a, Airbnb getaway here locally with my sisters and their my brother-in-laws they're coming for the weekend So we just got a lot of good that's stuff great, coming man. up. Yeah, it's, great, it's all bro. good stuff, but we got to get through the got to get through the next couple of weeks until the first week of August and then uh, Then it will be back to like true reality where everything kind of slow down this this normally happens with our family in the summer We get after it for a couple of weeks and have a lot of fun and do a lot of cool stuff. So
1: man, that's a great uh, way to good. do it though, you know, because if you don't make that a point to do that type of stuff, it's just easy for life to get in the way. You know, I'm really trying to establish that type of routine, like with my brothers right now, Yep. you know, because you know, when you live, especially when you live in different places, you know I mean? I even found it when, you know, one of my brothers was living in Tampa and I was living in Fort Myers. It's still, if you don't make it like a specific point, you just can be busy. And and then, yeah. And then, you know, well, I'm busy these weekends. I got something already locked in there and I can't back out of, you know? So it's like, I've really started to put an emphasis on, Hey, let's put it in. Let's plan ahead. You know? So I, I admire that, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you put it on the calendar and then you make it a point to be there and everybody says they're going to be there. You start booking things and then you get there and you have a blast. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But you took multiple trips. You weren't just gone that one trip we talked about, right? You did another trip.
1: Yeah. So I was gone about 12 days with Grad Techs and the HBCU Crash the Campus Tour, was back for two days and then dipped to Rock Hill, South Carolina, where the 3SSB and Adidas Gauntlet were being held for AAU Boys Basketball. Now, 3SSB is um, street, three stripes select basketball. And basically that is, I think it's like the top – two or five teams from each um, age group based off of the prior sessions. So there's multiple sessions in AAU. So I think the first two big Adidas sessions were in, there in like July or June, excuse me, and it might, or it might've been one in June and one in May. Basically, it's a big weekend where everyone is in the same place. They did one in Nebraska, actually, and then they did one at Texas Shout A&M. Out. Yeah, yeah, right. Shout out. So I Shout didn't go to Nebraska. those ones. I didn't go to those. But when I because I took over the seventeens, I was going to the to the one here in South Carolina. And basically you have to finish like the top two or five in your group, and then you can get added to three SSB, which is like the top of the top, like 46 or 50 teams. I mean, this is like, bro, we saw everybody. Compton Magic, um, you name it, Anthony Edwards, AU team. I mean, it's just Bro, it was just, and the kids were it. hooping. They were hooping. I bet, hooping, like, <laughs> just, and it was the. You know who went and who went, Who actually ended up winning? I believe was Utah prospects, which is, it's from Utah. It's pretty much a bunch of white all boys, all white kids, all white kids passing working, the ball, shooting threes, working them, working it, and they beat <laughs> a team from Atlanta. And actually, that team was run by one of the coaches on our that's on our staff excuse me, he played for that AAU team, which was game elite based out of Atlanta. But man, it was just really cool to be out there. It it wasn't a great experience for me because I had a team that really had been struggling when I took it over. Um, And it's more about helping them as young men than anything. But, you know, you want to win basketball games. And we just had, you know, some mindsets and approaches that, you know, young men and kids go through, uh, and that's why we're adults and we're here to coach them. But it was just not a good experience as far as coaching my own team. Now, the what's other your teams, what's your
0: NBA comp with that team? What's your NBA comp? Would it be like the <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets? Are you guys like the Charlotte Hornets, or are you guys like the the Bulls, where you're like kind of close to making the play-in tournament, but then you just get beat? We were. <laughs> Damn. Are you the, the Orlando re- Magic? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. My bad, bro. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Man. You
1: gotta oh, have dang, talent man. if
0: you're the Orlando Magic. That's they got what I'm talent. saying. <laughs> we,
1: we and we have good kids. We we have good we don't have like an amazing standout. So I can't say that. You know what I mean? But we had a good point guard. So I would say the rebuilding Sacramento Kings. The I rebuild. think you still
0: sound like the Charlotte the Charlotte Hornets because you got you got the ball brother bro you got the youngest ball no, brother not he's, that he's level. your standout level point level. guard.
1: <laughs> I mean the rebuilding, I would say rebuilding before Mello with all the losing, I would take that. But we're just we're just not a winning. We don't play winning basketball. That's what we were. If, if just choose a team that doesn't play winning basketball. And the thing about winning basketball is, um, if you you know just imagine this is the ball right? I pass so for I the listeners. You, Marcus right, is holding
0: up a giant Expo a dry marker, erase, right
1: now. <laughs> dry race marker. So I I pass this to you. Yep. When I give it to you, the energy that I have is transferred in this dry erase pen. So when you go to the whiteboard to do your thing, if I've passed bad energy, both outwardly and inwardly, when you take this, you're gonna feel that. I I think that's that's the best way to explain basketball. Because you're literally touching this thing and everyone's sweat is on it and everyone touches it and you can just feel it. Where you'll see another team and you'll be like, man, they're not that much better than this team. I don't even know if they are better than this team talent-wise, but they doing it. And that's just because, you know what I mean? It's the way, it's winning basketball. It's a winning mentality. You know, and for our 17s, they just... Are learning how to do that now. Our 16s. So I coached about four or five games with that team. I coached Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, our and I I think we had one day with two games. Our 16s. They finished 13 out of 52 or 46 teams. They made the Sweet 16.
0: Okay, so are they the the Magic? We talking more Magic now for uh, team comp here? We're
1: talking more. Nah, they're. uh, They're higher. They're more. They're closer to magic because they're a top. They're like a top fifteen. I think they're a top ten. Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, they're like a top. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta Hawks when they went on the playoff run because (laughs) they beat a team called the Utah Gold, which was the number five team in the country in U six in sixteen U, and they beat that team. They had lost to them before, and then they beat another team that they had lost to before that again, is up there, seen as a very top-tier program. So they're they're taking down some big guns. They went, like, three and two. um, so, and, and I got to assistant coach for two or three of their games, which is a great experience, you know, because it's just a great experience, man, helping these kids and teaching them the game. I realized, bro, since getting back into AAU and then going to this, how much I just love teaching the inner workings of the game. You know what I mean? Um, And then we had another team that actually made the Elite Eight our eighth, our eighth graders. Yeah. Our eighth graders. And I got to assistant coach for one of their games and it was just crazy. Like, you know, we, we got like three assistants, like we're in college or something. And it was just the kids, you know, some of the kids
0: that like the Miami heat y'all had the Miami heat.
1: Yeah, I'll say like it was a you bu- know, I mean, it was like a Mavs bubble run, you know? What
0: I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Mavs bubble run. You know I, I, mean? I could dig that. We had
1: some we had some guys really stand out, you know what I mean? Some guys <laughs> really really play up to their potential. A couple guys maybe even play outside of it, but as a unit, it was just it was great to see. So the basketball stuff, man, just reminded me of how much, you know, we talk about sports and how much we love it and just yeah why we, why we love that, you know? And I was like, man, I can't wait to tell B about all this basketball, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of basketball, we're going to talk about the Boston Celtics right after this break.
1: Ready to take your brand to new heights, discover my company, conquer marketing. My team and I are the experts in building community authority and driving growth in sales. We specialize in social media, content marketing, online advertising, and optimizing your business operations. Picture this, a free consultation with us where you'll walk away with three, at a minimum, actionable steps to transform your business today. Imagine the impact that those steps could have. More leads, increased conversions, and unrivaled growth. Learn more at www.conquerthenow.com. That's C O N Q U R, the and seize the opportunity to conquer your marketing goals. Conquer marketing, your path to authority, community, and unparalleled success.
0: All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of basketball, while we were gone, the miraculous happened. The Boston Celtics traded. Marcus Smart. And we have not even talked about this yet, bro. We have not even had... I had I've been frothing at the mouth to talk about this subject. I and, know, bro. Uh, we, we had waiting. our three-week hiatus, so we got we to gotta have some live conversation about this here. So the Celtics, for those of you that have not been paying attention, mm-hmm. Celtics essentially traded Marcus Smart for Christos Porzingis. The whole chemistry of the team has has shifted. Grant Williams, also now a Dallas Maverick. So, uh, Marcus, what were your initial thoughts when you saw? Well, first, let's let's back it up. Yeah, what did you yeah. think about the Brogdon trade? Were you excited about the Brogdon trade? and you saw that where um, you're like, "Oh, this makes sense. This is this is a good move for them."
1: What was that What was that trade again? Refresh my refresh my mind.
0: So basically, it was Brogdon for Porzingis. That was what they tried to get to go yeah, through. Yeah. But um, then but then the Clippers were like, "No, nah, we don't really want to beat up Brogdon cuz that dude's always hurt." So Yeah. Um, what would you think of the Brogden before that? Then then they had to move the chess piece to like, "Okay, we mm-hmm. really want Porzingis. So y'all What about Marcus Smart to Memphis?" And that that's yeah. ended up what what moved the
1: move the really, tide. So what do you got? I re- First off, Porzingis, I really, I really do like Porzingis. I I really do. His game, man, and you know, it's just so well rounded. I think he's gotta be in the right system. I think that he can be really good for y'all. But when it comes to these bigger guys, I'm just gonna worry about their injuries. I just am, man. They're just they're just more pro A D, same type of thing, you know, especially guys that were not like workout warriors, which I would consider LeBron to be. I was actually on Twitter, not Twitter, but on Instagram, getting into a little bit of a bit of a back and forth. I think the guy understood where I was coming from, where he was basically talking about Zion and his conversation about saying that now Zion is recognizing that he needs leadership from veterans. He needs to surround himself with old heads and guys that get it. And I'm like, yes, bro. You know, and with nutrition, because he struggles with it. And this guy was basically saying, yeah, you know, he needs to go talk to somebody like Draymond, who used to be close to 300 pounds. And I said, absolutely not. And he was like, he was like, so you think it's better for him to go? I said, first off, you always go to the best of the best of the best. You don't go to somebody that's I'm like LeBron is that. You don't have to like LeBron, but everybody knows how much money Conor McGregor's life changed. He went to another level when he had a conversation with LeBron about recovery and what you put into your body. He started taking things to another level. Whether you like McGregor or not, again, same thing. And McGregor will tell you that. I'm like, "Bro, you you don't go to somebody that just has a couple houses if you're trying to learn how to do real estate. You need to go to somebody that's got 50 rental properties and you need to go as high as you can." Like this guy's going to tell you everything. And he was like, oh, well, you know, genetics play a part into it. And I'm like, bro, you can, people don't understand. You can change your genetics. They do not understand it. At a cellular level, two identical twins, one of them gets, they both get faced with a bully. One of them says, let's get, let's go ahead and get it popping. And the other one says, <laughs> uh, I'd rather not. Uh, at that point, there's been a change at a cellular level. So um, I just really, Getting back to what I was saying about Porzingis, because he wasn't a workout warrior, I just worry, man. He's going to put up some points and stuff, um, but he seemed like he's kind of taking a back seat to guys like Luka and didn't really figure out how to play well with him. And I don't think there's enough balls to go around as far as scoring unless he's going to take that Chris Bosh, Miami Heat type of approach. And to be honest, I like Brogdon more for the style of play that y'all have than Porzingis. But I do understand it also potentially comes to being able to offload porzingis's contract later too
0: right i'm i'm gonna let y'all know right now i'm gonna sound like a homer for the next 20 minutes so y'all yeah, know how sure. i get down i bleed green baby so <laughs> yes,
1: yes to, so that's to you your poor Porzingis, Porzingis
0: trade to your poor point he had the best season of his career last year he was that healthy the also, whole season that also they they try to keep pushing the number. I think he played like 65 games. They keep pushing that. But what you have to realize is that Washington benched him the last like eight or ten games because they were trying to to tank at that point. Mm-hmm. And my man was balling. If you all remember, you know, we've been making all this noise about Wimbiana, and that dude's been amazing. It's go been cool to, to see him
1: Coming in go lead. back
0: to the unicorn. He was the original, blocking shots, shooting threes, all that. So... This was my worry as a Celtics fan is that we were just going to run it back. That was my biggest worry is that nothing was going to happen. They weren't going to shake it up at all. And that we were just going to essentially lean on the fact that we've been making it to the Eastern conference finals almost every year. And I think that was my biggest worry as a fan was like, cool, let's win 50, 60 games. Let's get the first or second seed. Let's get to the, to the Eastern conference finals and then go stalemate again, as we have in in previous years. And so I actually was sadder about the Marcus smart thing than I originally thought I was going to be. Now, if you, if y'all are, if y'all are new to the show, Marcus smart is my least favorite Celtic all time next to Paul Pierce, him and uh, Marcus is one, Paul Pierce is two. Those are just the two Celtics that every time I watched them, it was just, it hurt. And I think that, the reason I was surprised by just this kind of change in Marcus Smart leaving is it's almost the end of an era because Marcus was kind of like that next wave of guys. He was the initiator of the next wave of guys after KG and all them. He was kind of, he, we, he got drafted in the system from Oklahoma State he was one of the guys that like one of the foundations that kind of brought us to the point right now. Now, obviously Brown and Tatum and those guys came along during his journey, but he's been a part of this. I mean, I think back to like the Kelly O'Linick days and like all that, he, that man was there. And so, um, little, yeah, little trippy, you know, I think it will be cool. I will celebrate him as a, as an all-time great Celtic, the same way I do Paul Pierce. I can't wait for when he comes back to the garden and they, and they bring him home and show him, the 12 minute highlight video of him diving on the court and all the amazing stuff that he did. Um but I ain't gonna lie, bro. Your boy ain't gonna miss seeing those jacked up threes, first possession of the game, um, the flopping and everything else. But what's funny, you know, I, I keep thinking about I didn't want us to lose Grant either. I mean I, I shouldn't say either. I did not want us to lose Grant. Um I did like Grant Williams. I think he's he's gonna be a solid player. And Celtics fans are crazy. You already know this. I fit in the bold, but like I'm preparing myself for both of those two guys to just go absolutely crush it next year. And if the Celtics have the injuries that you were just talking about, because if you look at their bigs as poor Robert Williams and Al Horford, the percentage of playing time with those three, I'm, I'm a little stressed out about just because Al's getting old. And then the injury history of the other two. So I can't wait to see Grant Williams. Luca is going to love playing with him. Because he does all the dirty work, he will set picks, Kyrie will love him too, because he's a big that that will do like I said all the dirty work, and he can shoot and and I think with the new coach with Missoula, I think he just had some some trust issues with those two guys specifically, and I did hear you know of course, all this stuff comes out after the fact, but like Marcus Smart would literally lead the timeouts, and you know Grant was always opening his mouth in certain team scenarios and i I get it. Like as a new coach, it probably got to the point where it's like, hey, this is my team now. Like y'all need to go somewhere. Cause just because I don't think the same level of respect was there as it was for, you know, like Brad Stevens when he was the coach. And then of course Udoka. I mean, just his personality's alpha. So I don't think anybody was messing with him at all. Where Joe's just a different guy. And I think that the changeup is going to be good. Will it bring longevity and a lot of wins? I guess we'll just see it. It's going to depend on the health. You've got Robert Williams, Porzingis, and Brogdon also on the roster that need to play a lot of minutes. And none of those guys are. But if you look at their track record over the last five years, neither of them are healthy. So they're banking a lot on that. I do think they still have a move or two to make. I think they're still going to do that. Um, And I think they'll
1: do something at the trade deadline too.
0: And they're going to have some space to do that. But. The last thing I want to say about the Celtics. What the hell's going on with Jalen Brown? Why haven't we signed him? There's something there. The only thing I could think is that they're waiting for Dame to be okay with coming to Boston. And then they're going to do a sign and trade. That's the only. There's no other. Every other player that has been gotten to this point with an extension. What was it? It was July 1st or whatever when they could start signing these. We're two weeks in. We haven't heard nothing. And that's got me. You know, it could be one of two ways. They're still figuring out finer de- finer details. You know, maybe the Celtics are trying to finish out their roster before you know promising them certain amount of monies. and there's little intangibles. You know, guarantees and bonuses and stuff like that that I'm sure they're talking about, but. Bro, they're probably do, trying to drag it out on a little there.
1: bit longer, keep staying really engaged with him, you know what I'm saying, making sure they're working on a contract. He knows that. But at the same time, you're trying to continue stretching stuff out and pushing meetings back to next week and all that, letting them know, hey, we're going to sign you, we're going to sign you, in hopes that it works out perfect in that manner. So um, I agree with you. It is very peculiar. But he's being like a good soldier because he hasn't like, you know, but that is his character, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't – he keeps things in-house and – because what is he – he's like the – is he the president or the vice president of the players association?
0: Um, Grant Williams actually was, I believe, um, but he's super involved. I mean, he, obviously he does a, a ton of stuff with um, the black community specifically, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, some of initiatives there. He's just, he is a very outspoken dude, but I do feel like he mostly does it the right way. The only time he didn't do it the right way was towards the end of last season when they, they wrote that big article and he like, said all that weird stuff about the Celtics fans and about basically they're a bunch of white people. And like it, that, that got a little weird for a little bit. And I think it rubbed a lot of the old school Celtic fans the wrong way, but I'm just kind of sitting yes. here wondering what's taken so long. You know, I, I had, I had accepted the fact that we were going to pay this man close to $300 million to uh, yeah. not dribble, not dribble the basketball, but, um, yeah. but when we got poor Zingus, you know, like, that's another threat that opens the court that could give him an opportunity to potentially succeed at even higher rate. But the more I thought about it, Marcus, there's a realistic world where Jalen Brown's the third best player. There is a realistic place where Tatum and Porzingis are playing at the top of their game and he's the third best player. So I think there's a part of them too. That's like, okay, we got Porzingis. He looks great. He feels great. He's healthy. So we're going to pay our third best player $300 million?
1: He is the third best. He is the third best player. Porzingis will not turn the ball over. One, he won't have the ball in his hands as much in places to do those types of things. And he's he's pretty simple. He's going to catch and shoot. He's going to catch and create some space. Or he's going to dunk it. Like, that's that's it. You know what I mean? And with him on the floor, it allows you to go big. And he doesn't even necessarily have to guard the perimeter big because I feel like um what's his name what's what's the other big you guys have um robert williams yeah rob i feel like he can move his feet enough to guard a perimeter big but i don't know man i mean i agree with you he is like y'all's third best player um so it's going to be interesting but i do think that it was an upgrade for y'all interesting enough dallas is going to pay all that money to grant williams when they could have paid less money and kept um uh Jalen brunson Oh yeah, (laughs) they could have paid less money, less money. Because Grant Williams got what, like ninety mil.
0: Oh, I'm patiently waiting for halfway through the season and Kyrie do something stupid. It's coming. Oh yeah,
1: no, definitely, definitely. That
0: Jalen Brunson thing is going to haunt you guys forever. I thought that was very, yeah. Until probably Luca finally goes. All right, I'm out of here. I agree. Um,
1: I agree. I think that it will. It's just they will look back and go,
0: "We should have kept. We should have kept Brunson. We should have just paid him."
1: And again, would have cost less than. You ha- so, you had to pay Kyrie what, 200 mil, 190 mil, 100? It might not be. It- Actually, I think it might be like, I can't remember because somebody else had a contract comparable to Kyrie's. And I was like, oh, blinking the same contract as Kyrie. Um, it was like three or four years for whatever he got. And somebody got like 10 mil more than him or just like five mil less. Um, and then you're going to pay Grant Williams like what, 90 mil, something like that. I think in he's Brunton, like 50 what, mil. I think it's like is it 50 like fifty? Okay, okay, okay. So yeah. then it's not because I think Brunson wanted eighty, but um, the only reason I know that is because the Celtics could have
0: paid him, but they, for whatever reason, they they yeah. wanted to keep that money.
1: So. But but uh, but maybe they were thinking like you were thinking about yo, we gotta yeah we just need to mix this up and try to bring in new pieces and keep it fresh. Uh, real quick on the Marcus Smart thing, the Marcus Smart thing. I don't know if it was better for y'all because remember I was saying what he is like what he means to the organization but for Memphis I love what they're what they're doing for surrounding Ja with leadership. This is this is the important thing. You need veteran again back to the Zion point. Hey I need help. I need to surround myself with the it's the same thing with the, like remember I was remember when we were talking about the potential trader like Ja Morant to the Celtics? I was like yes absolutely he will be a changed man he'll have a completely different structure around him the leadership is there the organization knows how to win at a high level it's historic but in memphis now you bring in marcus smart and i think they brought in d rose also they did um, I'm yeah, not they yeah. Did. so at first Shout i was sure d. that rose. was just a meme or not but like having him around yeah you got got you got a guy that literally knows what it's like to reach that level and surpass it and then you got Marcus Smart who can stand up in any locker room. He can stand up in any gym, any locker room on the planet. And when he speaks, people are going to listen. So. And I can't wait
0: for him to think he's a – top three player on the Memphis Grizzlies. And That's he's looking at John, he's looking at triple J and he's like, I'm just as good as these mother effers. So I'm just going to keep jacking up these shots and doing this stuff. That is but what he's
1: going to do. Cause I nobody think, can I think that is now. the hope.
0: <laughs> that is the hope right with Celtics fans is like, okay, cool. Now Jalen and Tatum can actually be the leaders of this team. Because like you said, I mean, just their personalities, I think Grant and uh Marcus alike when they're in, a group of people when they're in a room, everybody listens, and so I think having those voices out can potentially open the door for new and potentially better voices. You know, I'll be curious as like how Al affects Porzingis. I mean, Porzingis is still young; I think he's not even thirty yet. And so, like the influence of somebody like Al and how he's taking care of his body and like lo- the longevity of his career, I think there could be some good influence there, and, and they could play off each other. I just think my excitement is around like big Rob and Porzingis on the court at the same time. Like good luck driving, bro. Like you got seven, three Porzingis. Then you have big Rob just running around, jumping, blocking shots. And I think that, uh, anyways, I'm, I'm excited for the season. I, I would like to see Peyton Pritchard get a little bit of runtime. That's my guy. Little P P rabbit out there shooting threes. He's quick. He brings energy. So I think, I think we're in the right direction. It's been, it's been a uh, interesting couple weeks, but it's been fun, and I and I feel good. The, fu- the future's good. Like I said, if all else, they didn't run it back, and that was my biggest fear is that we were just going to run it back with the same guys, with the same crew, and uh, we didn't. We shook it up, and we could still shake it up more. Last question I want to ask you about it. Who would you rather have, Jalen Brown or Damian Lillard?
1: Come on, man. I mean, Damian Lillard – Immediately, you know, you are in every single game and you're and you feel like you can like you've got one of the best closers to ever play the game. So I'm starting to think he's underrated. No, I think he's drastic. I think that he's drastic. This man is a top 75 player. Yeah.
0: And they're talking about trading Tyler Hero for him. What are we doing? No way. Y'all better include like 10 draft picks with Tyler Hero. That is not a fair trade in any way. I don't care their age, (laughs) weight, height. That is not a fair trade in any way, shape or form. No way.
1: No, I agree, man. I'm just, uh, I'm man, just basketball. They just do a good job of just being a year round. Soap opera football wishes. The NFL wishes they could, that they could do that. The MLB wishes they could, the NHL, not even close. They're just such. They're just they're just in their lane. But the NBA finds some way to be a part of so many conversations year round. I mean, even now it's. I just felt yo go. I really was not aware of this because I don't watch ESPN like consistently. There are a few shows that I watch, and I don't. But some of the other ones that I watch periodically, I don't watch them consistently. Like the NBA show with uh, Malika. And with all these like firings and stuff at ESPN, I kind of went into this little bit of a rabbit hole about the crazy stuff happening at ESPN, how the, you know, the analysts are not happy and how they're basically saying that they can't speak their minds. And if you don't fall in line, they will get rid of you. And a few agendas that the NBA once pushed and I came across one with uh, what's her name, Malika? Uh, I can't, Malika Andrews, is that her name? Malika
0: Andrews, I think, is what it is.
1: Yeah. So there was one clip. So I, I've heard people say this, but I didn't really. What, what are you guys talking about? But this clip was Malika Andrews on a video with Brian Winhurst, Winhurst, um, Richard Jefferson, Matt, uh, Barnes, Matt Barnes, and Perk and it was the foul on Gary Payton Jr remember when he got injured in the playoffs like a season and a half ago or two and basically saying that was a they did that on purpose yeah and she's arguing shot. she's arguing with three guys that played <laughs> 10 years plus in the league each and telling them i don't know how you you can't say that and it was like yo to say that to these guys, like, hey, if you guys are out that's one of those things where I'm like, if you guys are all saying that, one, tell me why, or I'm just saying, hey, then it's gotta be true. Because you know what I mean? So it's kind of some things like that, comparing some it's just some weird stuff happening at at ESPN in general. And that is playing into the NBA stuff too, because a lot of these guys, Jay Williams, you know what I'm saying? A lot of these guys are, you know, NBA analysts. So I just love the NBA, man.
0: We're going to talk more entertainment right after this break. All right. So you touched a little bit on the ESPN stuff. That was crazy. Like seeing the roster of people that they let go specifically like Jalen Rose, like that was crazy. He was on everything as of late. And it's just like, all right, you did your job. See you later. And I, I listened to a lot of different podcasts about that. And, you know, people always talk about how, you know, espn is just it's cutthroat bro like they don't care they will replace you with the next guy as easy as possible you want more money too bad you're not going to get it like that job is so sought after that like you're always replaceable and if you are pushing boring initiatives you will not be around very long and they love having the, they love having the players on there that Actually, I actually like most of the players that they have on there, but they love having players on there that don't bring a lot of s- substance to, to what the conversation is. They're just there to start the fires and to pour
1: gasoline and takes. stuff.
0: They got these crazy takes that just make zero sense. Uh, speaking of, I heard a crazy take this week. We won't even dive into it because it's so crazy, but they said that the only reason Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan was because Scottie Pippen was on the team. We'll save that for another uh, podcast. Yeah, but. I had a guy argue. I heard a guy argue that for four hours that Scottie Pippen was the reason that Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. So. Can,
1: can I go over <laughs> a couple of these standout firings, by the way?
0: Yeah, that's what I actually wanted to do. Hit it. What okay. do
1: you got? All right, so uh, there were like some twenty plus, but I'm going to go over a couple of, that, of names that most people will know. Andre yeah. Ward, boxing analyst. Um, David Pollack, college football analyst. Crazy. Um, that dude's been
0: around forever.
1: Yes. Um, Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, Keyshawn Van Gundy Johnson. Was another
0: one. Hold on. Hold on. Van Gundy that was another weird. one. Cause he's the best one, bro. When I listen weird. to NBA games, I'm always stoked when Van Gundy's on there. Cause he like brings it dude. And he knows oh, what I he's love talking it. about.
1: Dude, I, I, I gotta love listen it, to
0: freaking Reggie Miller. Come on. Let's go. Keep going. Matt, what do you got?
1: Matt Hasselbeck, NFL, Max Kellerman. Good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Max is okay.
1: Like yeah, it, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I used to really like Max, um, but I agree. I feel like he hasn't really evolved. Um, but that was them push.
0: they pushed him to the front and then they took Max and kind of slowly kept dumping him and putting him off to the side. You yeah. knew that one was coming.
1: Yo, I saw a clip where <laughs> Terrell Owens was barbecuing Stephen A and it was Stephen A, Keisha, uh, TO and Max on the screen. And To's cooking him because you know To don't like when people got takes about him, and he was right. like, he basically said Max Kellerman is blacker than you, Stephen A. And I was like, if there ever was a, if there ever was a a straw, like a final straw or a starting point that of a microfracture, it. that was it. That had to be <laughs> one of them. Steve Young, Susie Colbert, NFL, NFL, Todd McShay. What,
0: dude? Todd those Mc... three that's like our Monday night football. That's the whole, like those are three of the main people of Monday night football.
1: Yeah. So that's just, that's just some of them. And then Jason Williams contract is supposed to be up in like less than like a couple months. And I know he wants out, you know, he had a crazy take and then I'll throw it to you. Not crazy take, but he was just explaining like the madness of ESPN. You know, he's like, you know, my shows, you know, I'm up three thirty in the morning every day for work and most people aren't up early enough to watch my early show. So he said he would get on later shows. You know, you're on shows all day. And he said I would just completely flip my take and just oh. see. And he, <laughs> Say and he, he said, different. just to, to see who was watching. And he said that. Um, he didn't like having to do that and the ESPN didn't stop him from doing it because people would bring up and be like, oh, this guy said this here and he said – and he's like, people don't understand. And it, bro, that never clicked to me as a thing that people do specifically to get the internet and stuff talking and bring more attention to the segments and bring more attention to the networks. I was like, that's grotesquely genius actually.
0: <laughs> I mean they're a multi-billion-dollar company for a reason but – they they're burning those bridges down so another entertainment take i wanted to talk to you about and i don't know too much about this we're actually not going to spend specific time on this we're going to talk more about what it's going to cost but the rider strike so now we have all these riders that are they're done they're they're not playing no more um i don't know your education behind it i was trying to watch some youtube videos this morning about it but essentially like the conditions, the work conditions aren't good. They're not getting paid enough. And streaming has just changed everything because it's they're getting forced to write so much more and all this content, all these storylines. And essentially the writers are just saying done. And the reason I I started paying even more attention to it, I obviously knew it was a big story, but um, Kevin Hart was supposed to host the ESPYs. And I turned it on last night and it's Pat McAfee, which I love Pat McAfee, but I was like, Wait, I thought it was Kevin Hart. And the first thing McAfee says is like, hey, I know y'all thought that I was gonna be this short little black guy, but it's me. You know, he's making his little jokes. He's 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 yeah, great. Yeah. But he was like, you know, Kevin Hart's standing with his brethren and and saying, you know, hey, like, we're striking, we're not we're not gonna play any part in the entertainment industry until you guys fix this. So,
1: so any, I got any thoughts around that specifically
0: this. before I go into my last thing. Oh, you go ahead. No, yeah. yeah so go.
1: so basically, so why is a rider strike happening? May 2nd, the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, an alliance of two labor unions representing over 11,000 film, television, news, radio, and online writers went on strike, demanding higher pay in a stable pay structure as well as fair deals and contracts and provisions about artificial intelligence. I got one more here um, that kind of speaks about it. Um, it says uh, the strike's picket lines outside Hollywood studios have formed after negotiations over writer writer's pay, uh, have gone, have ground to a halt, And that was about, this is an article about eight hours ago. So like you were mentioning with the streaming and stuff, one, there's so much more writing, right. And they're not getting compensated anymore. Of course, like you're saying, there's the AI part of it that can come in where we know how that potentially could work. I mean, you can tell chat GBT to, go and write an entire commercial and it'll tell you everything from background music to when to add b-roll as well as you know that space has not grown for them so the money's grown in other places but imagine like the NBA players are getting paid way more the teams are getting more but the trainers are all getting the same and it's still a shit deal for them Imagine if it were like that because they're, they're treated pretty well. But imagine if it were like that, the players would be standing with the trainers because they don't function without the, without the trainers. Now, you might be like, well, don't guys like Kevin Hart and them write? Yeah, when it says written by Kevin Hart, there's like 15 other people <laughs> really? that were a part of it. When you look at your favorite songs, same thing. You think that's – it's like 15, 10, 11 people credited on a Drake song one person wrote the hook. Another person wrote this. Somebody said the ad lib, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder where it's going to go. I feel for anybody who's, who feels like you like their job isn't valued. I just always, I'm always with I'm like, what are, who are we, what are we doing? How are we, how are we get, making this better for y'all? You know?
0: Yeah. The changing in the platforms and like, you know, like DVD sales, like those don't mean anything compared to what they used to. And then it's more around like streaming rights. And then the the topic I did want to get to to kind of close this out mm-hmm. is Marvel, right? So me and you are big Marvel fans. We love it, and they've Man, been they, pushing shit. They've been pushing this content, and they're changing storylines weeks before the episodes are released. I know that She Hulk was like they made jokes about it, but like it was it was some painful experiences for some of those writers and what they were getting asked to do as far as switch up storylines and all that kind of stuff. And so my, my last topic that I wanted to bring to you, unless you got something else is, are we getting burned out on Marvel? Cause I know I started to feel that way and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where I'm at with it currently here in a second. But like if the writers are getting burned out, I'm curious if the audience is getting burned out as well. Cause I went to, Quantum Medium. we talked about that. Did you go see Quantumania? Did you ever yeah, go I see did. it? Or did you ever see it? You ended up seeing yeah, it? I did. But you didn't go to the theater because you knew it was coming to Disney+, Plus, right? So it's like- Yeah, and I knew it was going go to come soon. Did you go to Black Panther? Did you go to Black Panther? I can't Who knows, remember. Right? I think
1: I did. Well, either way, think, I'm just saying yeah. like-
0: it, I don't stress you used if be I able don't to say, like, I, it's coming we very used, soon. Right, and we used to be like, no, I got to go see Endgame. Like, what are you talking about? I got to go see it. What do you mean? Like, I'm going, I'm going, of course I'll, I'll go twice. I went to Ragnarok three times, by the way, like your boy strapped in for that movie. I loved it. Um, But I, I'm curious before I get into my last point where I'm at with it currently, are you, do you feel burned out with Marvel? Is it because basically another thing that I've heard is that Marvel is ruining everything because people are, aren't going to movies anymore that are expecting like, you know, liar, liar, or like, you know, 40-year-old uh, virgin. like They don't even not go the to the movies anymore. It doesn't have a
1: whole universe.
0: And like there's not a, this huge budget with all this crazy stuff happening. So um, I'm going to pass it to you.
1: Yeah. So first off, I am getting a little burnt out because at this point, if I don't watch every single Marvel thing, then I, I can't keep up with it. And it's hard for me to share that with people that I care about that are not <laughs> as dedicated to it because... It's just too much work for them to have to watch it. Like if you, if you, let's say you, you meet, let's say you, you meet somebody or somebody joins your family and you guys hit it off and you got a lot of things in common or whatever. And you're like, Hey dude, yo, you know, you're my brother-in-law. Like we kick all the time. Like but I spend a lot of time watching Marvel stuff. So you gotta, he's like, okay, cool. y'all yeah, do it. And then you give him the list of movies that he has to watch. And he's going to be <laughs> like, you know what, dude? Um, we can, we can just meet. We can just meet and uh, have a drink every couple months. Cause there's golf. no way. We can there's just no play way. golf. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's no way I can catch up with it. Like, yeah, man. I mean, right now I'm watching uh, Secret Invasion, and I'm just like, and oh, and also I I, I got back into uh, in Disney Plus. I went back and watched. Uh, you know, they had a few new series come out, Andor and stuff like that. So I went back and I just was like, because the timelines jump around, I just went back and watched all of the connecting movies to those series, like one by one, just over time, just as a refresher, you know, The Last Jedi or Return of the Jedi, just everything, all the newer of older stuff. And it's much easier for you to consume, even though they've got the series as well. It's like a fraction compared to Marvel. So I am a little burnt out. I do agree with you. It's so much work. This might give a little bit more detail too. Marvel writers. What is the average sal- salary of a Marvel entertainment writer? 32,000 annually or $15 an hour, which is 40%, 44% lower than the national average for all writers at $50,000 annually and 69% lower than the national salary average for all working Americans. Now this is from careerbliss.com. Now My thing is, is these are movies and shows that we love. They're cultural masterpieces. Now, I'm wondering if because they're getting stuff on the back end and there's so much stuff that comes from, you know, payouts on stuff continually, what that ends up being, you know, in the span of your entire career as a writer. But still, to just think that, that how much the actors are getting paid and they're also getting lots of kickbacks every time the movie's shown. That's just crazy. That's crazy to me. And even if those numbers are incorrect, it's, it's probably not too much better than that, you know? And yeah. And And I think we've seen it. I think we've seen
0: a reflection of it in some of the writing, like, and you know, they do these big productions. I know I don't want to touch on the flash specifically, but like that, that movie bombed and they spent all this money on it. And I think that even like uh, Thor love and thunder was another one that like kind of bombed because the writing, Was so bad. But the reason the writing was bad was because they made so many cuts and there was so much budgeting and they shot all these scenes that they didn't use. Like, you know, me and you dive into some of that stuff. And so I have a little bit better understanding of it. But it's crazy, like how they just mess with all that stuff. And I think when, whatever it was, two years ago, when the Disney Plus world opened up and they were doing Loki and She Hulk and all this stuff, it was like it got very overwhelming. And I do think that there was a part of, specific marvel fans that were they just they just didn't have that commitment where they're like yo i'm not gonna sit here and watch eight episodes plus go to the movie theaters plus do this plus do that once they started connecting everything now i this is what i was going to say is kind of my final point here is i started watching secret Invasion as well and i'll be honest the last handful of marvel things i've i've done them i've done the action of watching the shows or going to the movie and I've enjoyed myself in spurts, and it's definitely not what it used to be. I mean, I always tell people Infinity War is my Star Wars. Like, my uncles always talk about when they went to Star Wars, how it changed their lives. The very, one of the first episodes, our first Star Wars movies changed their lives. Like, when I went to Infinity War, it changed my life. It changed how I looked at movies and whatever. Um, but now I think about where it's at, and I and I was starting to feel pretty burned out. And your boy... Samuel L. Jackson, baby, just got brought me right back in, baby. And now it's got a um, different feel
1: to it. It has a much it's different, got a different, different feel. a different feel.
0: It's got a real traditional Marvel feel. Maybe it's the Nick Fury thing. I don't know. Great but way to, the,
1: I think it is. I think because it reminds me of early Iron Man. Don't yep. really know what's going. I start, I feel like you started to kind of predict what you knew was going to happen w- with him. But I think now it's like Nick Fury, like, what does he have going on? You know, and it kind of is that mystique to it while knowing he's trying to, you know, do all this stuff. But I agree. I I feel the same way. I'm like captivated. I'm like, ooh, okay. when's the next episode coming out? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that they've done a better job. Now, this storyline is crazy. For those of you that aren't familiar with Seeker Invasion, there's these things called scrolls where if you're an X-Men fan, they're like a mystique where they can be anybody. At any time. Mm-hmm. And so they can just literally morph she, she into that herself. person. Yeah. And what we're finding out via these episodes is that there's millions of these people am- amongst us. I say us, it's obviously a fake movie, but like there's millions of them amongst us. So they can't ever tell who's who or like who's real and who's not. And so I think that's what's like they've done actually a really good job so far in this series. I'll be curious how it ends and how it leads into other things, but dude, the the plot twists. In the, in the constant, like, wait, is that who we think it is? Cause like, we know roadies, not roadie because he's clearly a scroll. So like, all right, where's the real roadie? What happened to him? Where What's going is he? On? Yeah. Yeah. Where is he? But then, you know, the main villain is killing all these main characters are killing people like uh, Gravik is killing all these people because he's able to morph into these other people, kill him in broad daylight because he doesn't like, nobody knows that he's the bad guy. It is going to, uh, it's wrapped me back in let's put it that way and i'm locked in again like you were saying i was feeling very burnt out from marvel and all the shows and my wife is she's checked out she's done she's out she's like there's been too many we've had to watch way too many of these i'm over it where i wish truthfully i do wish she was locked into this one because she would enjoy this because it's it's very um yeah it's good a very good plot so far where it's like you think people are dead but then like is it really the person and then now we have these super abilities that are starting to come into play where they're taking superpowers from other people that we know in the universe and so it's like there's going to be a lot of cool things that eventually come from this but i mean the last two episodes ended with deaths that just leave you hanging where you're like wait Okay, now what? Like what are they gonna do now? Or what you know, what's gonna happen here? And so they've done a good job of of definitely sucking me back in and and gotta give it to Samuel L, man. He's great. And I think Roadie's done a good job. Sorry, I can't remember that actor's name right now, but the dialogues between them has been great, even though it's not really Roadie. I know it's not Roadie, but I know, um, I know,
1: yeah. yeah. It'll
0: be cool to see like how they wrap this thing up and the implications because for those of you that don't know, the storyline is like these guys are going to get superpowers. So not only are they going to be able to morph into anybody, but they're going to be able to morph into like Thor and they're going to be able to like morph into Captain America to where like yeah. they're going to be a real problem. <laughs> and Gunshots, essentially what they're trying gunshot, to do, don't kill them. The whole point of the plot is that they're trying to find a home and they're like, you know what, we're going to make Earth our home because they told us that they were going to give us a planet and they never did which mm-hmm. is on Nick Fury, which man, it's just, I'm wrapped yeah. into it now, bro. I, I'm locked I in. I'm like, you I'm like, all right, Wednesday. I know what I'm doing. Right. When my, the second, my wife falls asleep, your boy's switching the yep, tube. Yep. He's putting it on for an hour and, yep. and I'm locked in. So,
1: and uh, I really like uh last, last words on this. I really like, uh, so Gravick's character is played by Kingsley uh, Benadier. He's a British actor. First Killing off, it. he's great. He's his demeanor and just how he, says I feel like he's I don't know he I feel like he's taking a lot from Steve from um Samuel L. Jackson like the way he says an entire dialogue without saying a word and just looking and using silence very
0: alpha very alpha like very super much alpha. so
1: I didn't know also and if you haven't seen it you know go look at the preview but he is playing Bob Marley in the story of, in the biography story of him. And it's called One Love. Huh. And it's eerie. It's the first time I watched, so, you know, my family's from Kingston. So the first time oh, yeah. I watched it, I got chills. The second time I watched it, I kind of teared up a little bit. He plays him so well. And I was like brought up on that. And if you know the stories, the things that happened to Bob Marley and, you know, just, and how his family's lived on and actually on the post on Instagram for the for the preview, Ziggy Marley, one of his sons, was like, hey, this is only the beginning. And I'm like, I hope that they tell more of the Marley family story as well. So um, if you haven't seen that one, go check the preview because it's a a powerful preview. And he looks so much, I'm looking at a thing of him right now. He looks so much like him. It's eerie. So I'm excited to see what more stuff he's going to do.
0: Last thing. Deadpool's got me wrapped in too, bro.
1: Come on, bro. I'm already I'm I'm watching every <sighs> single teaser. Just when, I a- thought
0: Mar- just when I thought Marvel was dead, bro. Coming <sighs> back like Rocky, baby. Yeah. They hit yeah. me they hit me with the secret invasion. They lock me in, and then they release a picture of Deadpool and and Wolverine walking on, the, on the beach the together. And Wolver- and yeah. Wolverine's in the yellow, bro. Come on. Yeah. And they're yeah, talking I'm, about they're I'm gonna sorry. bring all the X-Men back from the previous old X-Men and, so and Deadpool to, is just going to kill them all.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. That's what they're saying is that like the Fox that, so there are a few characters that, I, that they're probably not gonna, that they're not gonna get rid of. But basically yeah. most of the people are coming back to reprise their roles. And basically all the stuff that Marvel wants to eradicate from your memory <laughs> because Fox totally messed it up. He's just going to destroy their whole timeline pretty much. Well, and exactly yeah. like
0: what he did at the end of Deadpool 2, he just walked around and killed all those bad versions of himself. He's just yeah. going to do that to them. And
1: what a so. that is
0: like that's clever as hell of of Marvel to figure out a way to take what could have been just a really awkward and weird transition to go, all right, you know what we're going to do? Let's just take Deadpool, this pawn that just is going to work for anything and everything. Let's just move him to the front of the line. Just let's just have him kill everybody.
1: (laughs) And for those of you that don't know, the reason that, that what we're basically saying is because, and this is also, I think a part of the problem, and I know we got to cut off here soon because of the way that things are set up with timelines and like, being able to go between different universes in the whole DC and Marvel concept of like infinite worlds and timelines. I think that's part of what's shut, what's taken away from it because they can do all they have to do is figure out the way that it works theoretically. And you can just erase anything that was bad in the past. And it honestly, it never, ever, ever, when is it going to ever stop? And I think that's the kind of thing that's got me now. Like, well, there's really like, I know it, it's it got to go on, but just being able to just change stuff in the past anytime you want is kind of taken away from it a little bit for me. But I under, But I've understood that since I was a kid about DC and Marvel, that there are infinite timelines. You can travel forward. You can travel backward. You can, you know, all these things are converging together and that's just a part of the drama. But we'll see how they do it, man. We'll see.
0: For me that was probably the only part about the Flash that I liked is that they did an awful job first off but the little bit they did do right as far as bringing the old Batman's like bro sorry if I'm ruining this for you they brought George no, no, Clooney no, no. back at the at the end of the movie bro
1: Oh I didn't know they that you, they yeah. hit you with
0: the they hit you with the George Clooney at the very end so it's like that's my childhood bro Mr. Freeze Arnold Schwarzenegger you know what I'm saying yeah. and so like I think that Marvel has done a much better job. Like Spider-Man was a great example where like they brought those characters back, brought closer to those characters and then like set them off into the sunset. And I think that I hope they're going to do a version of that for the X-Men. I do think they're going to give them their justice. I actually think this new group that's not under the Fox, I think Disney and Marvel will, they're going to be the best version of those characters that they should have been the first time around, which I think will be cool. Um, But overall, I think, I do personally, I do get joy out of them being able to go back in time and pay some homage to, to the OGs. Like I was, that's I love those X-Men cool. movies. You are right. as corny as they were as bad as they were. Yeah. That's my, that's my childhood, man. Like I, I say childhood that wasn't that long yeah. ago. It was 15 years ago, whatever it was, but like Hugh Jackman is my Wolverine and I want to yeah. see Wolverine with Deadpool. I want to see Wolverine fight the Hulk. I want to see yeah. like, so I think, as long as they do it the right way, which I know Marvel will, unlike DC that they brought it, it was a bunch of CGI and it was just, it was rough around the yeah. edges for sure. Um,
1: so you I'm know, excited,
0: like full term.
1: I always like the, the main X-Men Colossus or not Colossus, but um, you know, Cyclops, Cyclops. Wolverine, always, always like the Mr. Beast. Magneto.
0: He's going to be Magn- dope. Yeah. I think he, I believe he's coming and, back. He was always <sighs> the old, right? old Magneto, old man. Yeah. Magneto.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Two of my favorite X-Men that I feel and they never did right in the comics and the TV shows they did, the animated shows. Rogue is one of the most powerful X-Men that you really don't know much about. She can fly. She has super strength. And if she touches you, you're out cold. It's over. It's, it's over, over for you. If She just touches you. And I felt like I was waiting for them to really use that. And they never did. And then Colossus. Colossus, just like how with, how strong he is, and I, 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 those two characters, I was waiting for them to do more with. So I hope that in the next iteration, just because those are two of my favorite, you know what I mean. Especially the animated TV show, like you know. So they
0: made it seem with with Rogue, they made it seem like a crutch more than like a. Like, it made a it, power. it so
1: weak. I'm like, it made it remember. like where
0: she was timid and she didn't want to touch nobody, and she was in love with that dude like, and it's just like i was like Yo, you know she needs to be walking around like oh oh we need to win this fight all right let me be right back just walk let around me go throw just, this
1: boop, tank into boop, this building
0: boop, <laughs> boop, or just like touching people with their finger just boop you're dead boop you're dead boop you're yes. dead you know yeah. what i'm saying and so yeah i, I think so that perfect. we're gonna see the the best version of these for me i think i we've talked about this before but night crawler bro I, I need to see him one more time in that president scene. I, I will run good, that president man. scene back over and over and over, bro. I'm gonna go just watch that, it today, bro. The ability to just pop, pop, tap, pop, pop, tap, and he's beating all those people up. Oh my goodness! So I love it. That dude. movie was past. That was that was before its time, but yeah, man. Anyways, Marcus, bro, we are back better than ever. Man, it's so good to see you, my guy. he has been man. a long time coming, and. uh, dude we're we're just back at it you know the crew's going and uh, we're back and we'll see y'all next week and uh, we're gonna crush it baby it's good to see you until next time we love y'all
1: see you guys next week